Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. One day, the restaurant closed, and we were disappointed, but we both were like, we got to get that chair. They were actually liquidating all the stuff that was inside, so we were able to take, you know, like some things off the walls but we were just like we need the chair so we ended up calling some friends over we all hoisted up the chair and we hefted the chair over across the street and into the house and we got it to the living room it was the pièce de résistance it was everything that we had dreamed of Soon after that, things started to get a little strange. In the middle of the night, we would hear what sounded like creaking and things opening and closing. The TV would turn on by itself without you really knowing why. And then one night... It must have been 3 o'clock in the morning... All of a sudden, I heard what sounded like a football team. It was just like loud banging, furniture moving, things being dragged. And I was just like, oh, crud, what is that? I was scared, but I thought that there was probably a reasonable explanation for what I was hearing. And then... I hear bam, 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 bam coming from my sister's room. And so I open the door. And I see that the chair that it took three of us to move has been dragged and it's sitting like perpendicular to the door. She's yelling, Dominique, let me out of here. Dominique, Dominique, please come help me. So I'm trying to move the chair, but it's only moving a little fraction. Finally, my sister and I managed to push the door open enough so that she was able to squeeze through the door. My sister is in hysterics and she's like, why did you barricade me in my room? And I'm just looking at her and I'm like, Chelsea, I didn't do this. How in the world could I possibly get the chair here? I can't even lift it. Okay. She finally calmed down a little bit. And we're just kind of looking at each other. Just like no person was capable of doing this. There's no 
way. This was just too freaky for my sister, and she moved out right after that. Hi, this is Deborah LeBlanc, author of Witch's Fury, and you're listening to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast with Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, March 28th, 2022, episode 268. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as you guys know, it's always great to be back in the hot seat. And today we're going to do more listener stories. We got a huge backlog. The last few months they were just coming in, so we, uh, we're playing catch-up. <laughs> Sorry about that. And it is cold over here. The last two days, we're in the 30s. Uh, I think this whole week it's going to be windy and cold. Yeah, winter hasn't left yet. It's going to be April soon. Yeah, well, that's what happens. As far as announcements, tomorrow, Tuesday, a brand new episode of Aaron's Horror Show with Mr. Aaron Farrell will be out. And also this Wednesday, Terry is back with Terry's Mysterious Moments. And don't forget, this Friday, I'll be releasing a brand new entertaining short film. And also a brand new The Witching Hour. They've been gone for a few months. And they contracted uh, COVID, but they recovered, and, you know, life in general. So they finally got it out to me, and that will be released as well. And that's going to be released at 12 a.m. Friday, this Friday, Central Standard Time. So don't miss out. And with that, I think that's it. Yeah, going pretty smooth over here. So let's get the show on the road, and you guys know what that means. Oh, man, oh, yeah. Say it with me. Say it with me. That's right, too. The story then, follow me right this way, no pushing, no shoving, and the fires are going nice and toasty in here. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner, find an empty spot on the floor, and as usual, get behind my desk here, oh, get nice and comfy, and I printed Brett's packet off, let's see what story she sent us. Okay, looks like we got, uh two medium to short ones and a long one. Alright. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh man, so good when it hits the lips, I tell you. Alright, the first one. This one is by JJ and it's titled Group Home. Okay, JJ. Let's see what you got, man. I worked for many years in my capacities for the state of Kentucky working with juvenile offenders. This story has to do with the time that I was working at a group home for juvenile offenders. Around October of 2005, I was working as a counselor in a state group home. The building that housed the group home was a former TB hospital. Actually, it was the building where the nurses and doctors stayed while they were working at the hospital. When I first started working at the group home years before, I was told the building was haunted. I figured that it was just everyone messing with the new guy. 
I quickly figured out that the building was haunted, as I had several experiences in the building from my first night working third shift onward. The particular incident that I am writing about is one that still causes chills to run up my spine. It was probably around 7 p.m. or maybe 8 p.m. one night during the week. All of the youth that were at our group home were out with staff working on some leaf-raking jobs that the youth used to make money while they were there. I was the only person in the building. The building had two main floors and a basement, and my office was on the top floor. With it being so late, I decided to go home for the evening since no one was there that needed my assistance. I locked up my office and headed down the stairs towards the main landing. As I reached the main floor landing, I noticed my shadow on the wall continue on down to the basement. I thought that this looked pretty cool. My shadow looked like it was going down to the basement. I stepped back up the steps to try to make my shadow do this again. This is when I realized that I didn't have a shadow on the wall. The hair stood up on my back of my neck and I got chills all over. I hit the door running and down the fire escape to my car. The following day, it was all I could do to force myself to go to work. It was a long time before I was able to stay in the building by myself again. I still wonder if the people using the building now ever have any experiences. Thanks for reading my story. And that's from JJ. Holy cow, JJ. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, great story. And uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that whole stairwell must have been lit up. You know, of course, you saw a shadow, um, which, you know, that didn't cause any um, any fear until you realize it passes you and it keeps on going down. <laughs> You're just watching this thing. Yeah, interesting stuff. I kind of find it funny. I'm not laughing at you, but you actually, you, when you realize what's happening, you hit the, you know, you ran and you went down the fire escape to your car. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I would have freaked out too, man. Hey, JJ, thank you for sharing. Great story. Yeah, I probably would have ran down the stairs or, you know, tripped and fell, broke my leg and had to crawl out or something, you know, something like that would have happened if I uh, experienced something like that. <laughs> All right. This one is by Monty and it's titled, Was It a Ghost? Okay, Monty, let's see what you got, man. This story happened back in October of 1996 when I went down to visit the city of New Orleans. I had just gotten out of the army, was still in final leave, when I and a friend of mine, call him Tom, decided to take a trip to the city. Yeah, I know, most people think New Orleans, Mardi Gras, but we decided to try a little different time of the year. Well, we did the usual thing soldiers did, drank and did the touristy stuff, went to the French Quarter, visited a couple cemeteries, rode a riverboat, and went on a haunted tour. Now. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary on the Hana tour, but there were definitely places where there was a feeling of wrongness or that something bad had happened there. Of course, that is also the mood they try to get you in. Now, this was on the day we decided to do most of the touristy things, so we were pretty much sober on the tour and afterwards. It was still semi-early when the tour finished, about 9.30. 
and Tom and I headed out for drinks afterwards. And we had heard about Jean Lafette's Blacksmith Bar. I think one of the oldest bars in the country. And that's what made us decide to go there. Well, we headed over there. And as we entered the bar, we both noticed a man in an old-fashioned 19th century clothing headed across the bar. Didn't think anything of it. I thought he was probably an actor in costume or something like that. Except for a couple of things. The bar was pretty crowded. But the man never seemed to interact in any way with anyone. Didn't seem to accidentally bump or brush up against anyone. The other thing was, he just disappeared. Was walking by someone, but never walked by them. Well, we both had a couple drinks before heading back into the city. And we both said, as we left, it must have been a ghost. I'd like to think it was Jean Lafette himself joining us for a drink. But, who knows? Love the network. And that was from Monty. Monty, thank you very much for sharing. Loved it. Love those bar stories. Yeah, that is odd. You're watching this guy in period clothing. And yeah, I, I know what a crowded bar is. <laughs> it's almost impossible not to be brushing up against somebody. You know, or at least accidentally, you know, bump into somebody. Yeah. And you just disappear. It looks like you're just watching him. And poof. Where'd he go? Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. I've only been to New Orleans once. And uh, my father, he grew up in Louisiana. And, you know, he started working when he got out of college. And uh, he used to hang out in uh, uh, New Orleans. And he had some stories. Uh, one of my favorite stories he was telling me, he and, a, he and two other friends were riding in, what is it, a 67 Corvette, you know, the, the, those types are two-seaters, and they're very highly valuable nowadays. And so there's three of them. So, you know, his buddy who owns the car is driving, his other buddy's in the passenger seat, and you know how it's a convertible. And the 67 vet, you know, it's all metal. And he's sitting not in the center console uh, because that's where the shifter's at, but he's up where, you know, um, the canopy would be at. He's almost sitting on the on the trunk. And he's uh, drinking a pint of, uh, I don't know what he said, bourbon or maybe whiskey. And they were driving around New York, or New York, New Orleans like this. <laughs> that was back in the day, you know. <laughs> so, just imagine that. All right. What do we got here? What do we got next? This one is by Shanna. And it's titled Molly. Okay, Shanna. Let's see what you got, man. One of my favorite things about investigating a venue multiple times is the relationship that we sometimes develop with the spirits we come into contact with. I've investigated and explored Mineral Springs Hotel in historic Alton, Illinois on numerous occasions, and I've never been disappointed in the outcome. Once during an investigation in the upstairs area, we decided to spend some time in a room that we didn't routinely visit. We usually spent most of our time investigating the room where a spirit named Pearl resides. Her death by suicide is documented to have happened there, and since I had established actual physical and emotional contact with her, it made sense to focus on her. However, we decided to leave her room and make our way down the hall to another room. 
The energy was quite literally creating a buzzing sensation in the atmosphere of the room. And although this energy was strong, I didn't feel that it was dangerous or malevolent. We lingered for a bit, but eventually had to leave, paid our respects, and said goodbye. When we reviewed our evidence, we discovered that someone in the room had said my name, and that we fortunately were able to capture it on our audio recorder. As you can probably imagine, this new evidence made the room even more compelling to me. Who was it that said my name? Did Pearl decide to leave her room and follow me into a new room? Or was it someone different? A few years ago, I was involved with a paranormal convention, and there was a large number of people participating in an investigation, which meant everyone would be milling about on all five floors of the venue. Because of the varying investigative styles involved, there weren't that many quiet moments to speak of. A small group of us made our way upstairs towards the room where the EVP of my name was captured. It was a balmy night, and since we were on the top floor and heat rises, the temperature was a bit distracting. As an empath, sometimes outside forces, such as uncomfortable temperatures, will interfere with my concentration. The random device noises and chatter coming from other areas of the floor we were on was also a factor to contend with. I started the usual line of questioning towards whoever was in the room with us and mentioned that I heard them call my name on a previous visit. In between the questions, I was carrying on a conversation with the others in the room with me. I gradually started feeling the energy in the room change and felt it emanating strongly from the direction of the door. It felt like someone entered the room and I was hoping to get a lockdown on their identity. Sometimes in my mind, I'll sense a name or letter that the name starts with. Other times, I'll actually get a vague glimpse of features. This particular time, it was the letter M. And so I asked if their name started with that letter. Immediately, the energy became stronger on my right side and between me and the door. I also experienced what felt like a human hand touching my right arm above my elbow. I put total concentration into exploring that energy and closed my eyes to focus on a name. When I'm in empath mode and trying to make sense of certain energies, it requires a lot of effort. Inside my head, it sounds like several quiet conversations going on at the same time, and none of it is discernible. This time, though, I felt the name Molly quite strongly. I attentively asked if the person in the room was named Molly. Almost immediately, the energy to my right grabbed my arm with enough force to really get my attention and I jumped. With more conviction, I asked if Molly was their name and the response was significantly stronger. In fact, it was strong enough to make me jump up and over to where someone else was sitting to my left. The wave of energy that swept through and around me made its way over to him and he actually backed up from it. The feelings that were barreling through me were electrifying and emotional all at once. The experience left me with a multitude of questions, which I sadly didn't get to devote more time to during that investigation. The public investigation was still going on, and unfortunately, we needed to move on. I said my goodbyes to Molly, Pearl, and another younger spirit in the area as we passed the rooms. Leaving Mineral Springs that night was more difficult due to the events of the night and the unanswered questions I had. 
My next experience with Molly was a very emotional one and definitely merits further research into her existence. It's Raining Zen hosted an event one Saturday afternoon which allowed the public to create their own zombie dolls. The doll I chose to modify reminded me of the very first child spirit I ever saw and interacted with. While I was painting, I was also thinking of a name for her. The letter Z struck a chord within me and the name Zara came to mind. After the event, I went upstairs and headed straight to Molly's room. I immediately felt her presence and started up with the usual banter. There were three chairs set up in the middle of the room. I took a seat and put Zara on the chair next to me. I also put a K2 meter near Zara to attempt to capture telltale signs of approaching EMF energy. A strange thing started happening during this time. I started to see what is best described as a shimmery heat mirage. This was taking place in between me and the chair where Zara was sitting. I never experienced this particular phenomenon before and wondered if this was energy coming from Molly. I asked Molly if she liked dolls and if she could see Zara. Shortly after, the energy in the room shifted and a wave of sadness swept over and through me. It happened so fast. My throat started tightening up and before I could stop it, I was crying. For a few moments, I cried as if my heart was breaking. Eventually, the feelings of sadness subsided and the energy became less strong. I feel that Zara was definitely a trigger object that day. Did Molly have a doll at one point in her life and was Zara a reminder of that? The events of that day in Molly's room combined with previous interactions with her makes me even more compelled to know her and dwell into her past. To this day I still make it a point to visit and interact with Molly when I'm there. But I've discovered that she's attached herself to me and follows me everywhere I go. I see and feel her energy often. Further research will be done to try to find her origins and story. Was she a resident at the hotel or just a visitor passing through? Is her name truly Molly? Each visit with her brings new experiences to research and document. I feel strongly that my relationship with her will grow in the coming months and I'll find the answers I seek regarding her identity. The paranormal field is sometimes frustrating due to the lack of documentation of events. Another frustrating fact about being an empath is that while we trust our feelings, we cannot always trust the information that comes to us. And man, that's from Shana. Shana, thank you very much for sharing. Love the story. Yeah, what a big adventure. Yeah, I um, that last portion with the attachment, that's why I don't investigate. I don't like that whole idea. You old timers probably know that, but... <laughs> I stay away from that, from investigating. But yeah, that sounds neat. Uh, I'd like to hear if you ever found out any information about, you know, an uh, individual called Molly staying at that hotel. The only problem is you have to probably have to go through a lot of records and don't know if they actually keep guest records of old hotels, you know, going back decades. <laughs> but yeah, I hope you find something. Again, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. And that is it. That's it for today. And as always, guys, we're flattered that you come and visit us over here at the RPA Network. 
We're just glad that you're enjoying yourselves and you find something that you like. And also, just a friendly reminder, this Friday, a new episode of The Witching Hour will be out. And also, a new entertaining short film will be out. So, enjoy that. And I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Brittany. I was made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.